Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Awesome. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? I'm, I'm ready to preach, and um, I'm excited. We've been doing this series through the summer called Presence. Our focus has been on encounters that men and women in Scripture have had with the living God, with the God who speaks, with the God who touches, with the God who moves in His tangible presence, changed the trajectory of their life. When he came and met with them, everything changed, right? We talked about a couple of instances where Jacob met with God, and one, he came away walking with a limp. Every single time that God met with a person, he revealed more of his character, more of who he was, but he also gave them a promise. And I love the fact that God, when we encounter him, when we encounter his goodness, when we encounter who he is, he begins, to, uh, he begins a process of revealing more and more of his promises to us. Because he's the one who empowers the promise to be fulfilled. He invites us into this partnership with his presence. And so um, today we're going to talk about the flow and the fruit of God's wisdom. And really this is based around Solomon today. Um, and um, I've got lots of scripture in here and I'm going to do my best to, um, if, you, like, if you watch videos on YouTube and somebody talks really slow, you know you can hit the little gear and turn it to one and a half speed, right? And just like and make it go a little faster, you know? Only me? I, I tell you, man, it's like a lifesaver for me because I'm like, get to the point, you know, so um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and, and do it maybe at one and a quarter speed today, um, so it's going to be a little faster, and if my language is too fast, there will be a recording of it that you can slow down to 0.75 to pick it up later on. Um, so Solomon was the second king, or the third king, sorry, the third king in Israel. Saul was the first. David, Solomon's father, was the second. Um, and Solomon uh, was installed as a king at a young age. Um, when he gets installed as king over Israel, he had just uh, had enough time in his tenure to quell a rebellion. And then he also signs a peace treaty with Egypt. Okay, so he was already moving with some wisdom right up front, but then we see that God meets with Solomon in Kings chapter 3. Solomon comes to the altar at Gibeon and offers 1,000 burnt offerings. That's a lot of burnt offering. God responds to the sacrifices, right, the things that he was laying before him, uh, and uh, we talk about sacrifice in the act of sacrifice, not the heart posture of sacrifice, which is what uh, Paul talked about earlier. But um, there was no temple built yet, and, and it said that Gibeon was the highest of the high places. So it was the highest place, and so he, they go up there to offer the burnt offerings, and then he finishes that up, and he goes back. Um, to wherever he is, and he goes to sleep, and God says, ask what I shall give you. 
God responds to devotion and humility. God responds to devotion and humility. Devotion was shown in that he was going to go to where he felt he could meet with God and, and, and sacrifice a thousand uh, cattle or whatever it was, do a thousand burnt offerings to the Lord, and then God meets with him. And Solomon, of course, acknowledges his youth and lack of experience and how God had worked. Like, God says, what do you want? He says, well, let me tell you, like, I know I'm young. I know I don't have a lot of experience, but this is what you did for my dad, and this is what you promised my dad. And in verse 9 of 1 Kings 3, Solomon says, Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of, you, of, of yours? The speech pleased the Lord. See, the Lord responds to devotion and humility. Solomon had asked for an understanding heart to judge the people and to tell the difference between good and evil. And that made the Lord very happy. Then God said to him in verse 11, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice, behold, I have done according to your words. Wow. Wow. Wait, you mean that there's a place where we can respond to God in a manner where he says, okay, I'll respond according to your word. I, I, this is called prayer. I don't know if you guys knew that. Okay. When we pray, we're coming humbly before the Lord. And when we have a need or a request, we want that obviously to line up with Him, to line up with His heart. And so when we come humbly and we have full devotion to the Lord and we ask, He's happy with that. He's pleased with it. He doesn't feel like you're being a burden. Right? I could, that's a whole nother message. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, if you maintain your devotion to me as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days." So he just says, listen, I'm going, to take care of your, I'm going to take care of the honor that you're going to receive as a king. I'm going to make you the wealthiest king ever. And now, if you follow everything that I'm saying, like those were unconditional promises. Like I'm just going to do that thing because that made me happy. I'm just going to do this thing for you. But as you maintain your devotion, now I'm also going to lengthen your days. The, right? Because God makes the point, you didn't ask for longer days. But I'm going to go ahead and give that to you as long as you do it with me. Right? 
We see a theme here. When God meets us personally, he wants connection. He wants, he does give us a promise and tells us our part in the process. When he gives us a promise, he will tell us our part in the process. How many of you have had a promise from the Lord that confused you? That you said, I don't know how this is going to happen. I, I got no idea what you're going to do, God, but I feel like you've, you've promised me something, right? And hopefully your heart is postured in humility and you're not asking for the new Maserati, right? Because God's not concerned with the riches of this world, right? He does put the weight of wealth on some so that his kingdom can be built. How many of you know it takes money to build something, okay? So, I mean, God understands economics, and he understands those people that he deems faithful, he's going to give more to, right? Jesus, the second thing Jesus taught the most on was money and stewardship, right? And how he honors and blesses financial stewardship, amen? Amen? Okay, God honors financial stewardship, amen? Now, one of the realities is, is that we discover our part in the promise and, and our part in the process to get to the promise. And oftentimes, it's just a little piece. It's just, what's the next thing, God? I, I don't know how to get there, but what's the next thing that you ask me to do? And God's promises are sure, and they will come to pass. He is faithful. When God puts a condition on a promise, he invites us into the greatest opportunity for an amazing and fulfilled life in him. That's the difference Paul was talking about earlier between obedience and sacrifice. Man, the minute that you realize that God's asking me for something and I'm treating it as a loss, I'm missing the opportunity for encounter and for the excitement and the fulfillment that comes from being in the kingdom with God. And when we make that shift, we realize, no, he's inviting me into this great thing, this amazing thing that he has for me. And yeah, okay, I don't see how that's going to be worthwhile in the kingdom, but I'm just going to give it. I'm just going to do the thing. Now we get launched into something very different, and it's amazing. It's amazing. The most fulfilling life you will ever have is walking out radical obedience to the Lord. Come on, Dennis, shaking his head. We want, you're a great model. You and Colleen are amazing models of this. Thank you for modeling that so well. God empowers, well, God's presence empowers those dedicated to his work. God's presence empowers those who are dedicated to his work. We know that David had it in his heart to build a temple. When David is preparing to die, he's putting Solomon on the throne. In 1 Chronicles 28, it says, King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. That's got to be tough to hear. You know, it's got to be tough to hear no from God on this thing that he was really passionate about, but he heard a no from God. And he said, well, I will leave this to my son. 
since God, you're giving me a no, I know it's going to still happen. Sometimes the promises that God gives you and the things he puts in your heart are actually for the next generation to build. Some of us have been white-knuckling a vision that we needed to hand off a long time ago. Solomon sets out to build the temple, right? Process to build the temple begins in 2 Chronicles 2. Uh, it's notable that God asked the wisest person to ever live to build him a temple. <laughs> it's notable that God bestowed wisdom on the person that was going to build him something. When God wants to build something, he endows those devoted to his mission with skill and wisdom to build it. I don't know how. That's a great place to start with the Lord. Because he's the one who endows us with the vision to build the thing that God wants to build. If it's him, he'll give you the wisdom on how to build it. Amen? When God gave the instructions to Moses on building the tabernacle, which was the mobile temple, right? It could be packed up and moved around, right? So the tabernacle was a mobile temple, right? Which is very, should bear some significance for you because you are now the temple of God, right? We know this. We are now the temple of God and the Spirit of God lives in us. He's not... He is not bound to brick and mortar. He's not bound to the tabernacle. He's not bound to marble walls. He's, you know, he, it is, he, he is present in us. But when God asked Moses to build the tabernacle, it's really interesting because God filled the workmen with his spirit in order to build it. That's, his name was Bezalel, right, in Exodus 35. Here, I'll read it for you. See, the Lord is called by my name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding in knowledge and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. Labor is worship. Your labor is worship. If you can do all things under the glory of God, then the thing that you spend most hours, like the data shows the things that people spend most time in their life doing is labor. Not sleep. <laughs> Not in my life. Not sleep. <laughs> right? Not time with your family. It's actually your work becomes the thing that most people spend the majority of their lives spending the most time on. That better be ministry. If that's who you're called as a believer to minister and to give all things to the Lord, then labor is worship. It is a place where we worship and God endues us with wisdom. He empowers us with wisdom to do the labor, to do the work that's, that's in front of us and to do it well unto his glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He's talking about work. I don't like that. We know that God dwelt in the tabernacle of meeting. His presence was there. 
but it was, became a meeting place for the people and the connection point for Moses, Joshua, Aaron, and the priests to fulfill of the will of God in the community. When God builds something, it's for the sake of encountering his presence. When God builds something, it is for the sake of encountering his presence. Of course, he meets us now, right? We are the living, breathing temples of God. And, and yet Paul said that he was a wise master builder as an apostle to build a spiritual house. We see the fruit of Solomon's effort as well in 2 Chronicles 5. Solomon assembles all the leaders of Israel and, he, and they place the Ark of the Covenant in the, in the, in the Holy of Holies and, and inside this acacia wood, like your guitar, acacia wood. Acacia wood Ark is only the two tablets of Moses. And they set that in the Holy of Holies and in verse 11 of 2 Chronicles 5, it says, And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified. Say sanctified. sanctified. He's, they sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. They came before the Lord and said, Okay, God, we're going to go through the process of purification and be sanctified so that so that, so that we are carrying sinless righteousness before you, and we're not going to keep to, well, we just do this, and we just do this, and we, they didn't stay to their divisions, right? The things that would separate them normally, they came together as one, right? So then, the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Haman and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, as families, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, thank you, Mike, stringed instruments and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And, and, and all of them are saying it at the same time. And the trumpets are blaring. The cymbals are crashing. The singers are singing. The stringed instruments, the harps are all going in unison. They all yell, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. I think it's really important for us to grab on to a simple fact that when God's, God builds, it is for the sake of encountering His presence. God gave Solomon the wisdom to build. And then once the building was finished, 
the fruit of the building was the presence. We need to reorient our vision around our callings and our destinies. Because so often we think about our own impact, but what God wants to build is for His presence to come. It's so much bigger than what I get elevated to or the impact or influence that I... He's building something so that His presence will change the world around us and change you. There's a lot to be said about unity and leadership, finding a corporate expression of worship, and declaring how good God is in His character and nature, which is the pattern we see here in 2 Chronicles 5, which then His presence comes. The fruit of the building, the fruit of labors, the fruit of following the wisdom of those that God has given plans to is an encounter. It says the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So the glory of the Lord, let's just make it personal, the glory of the Lord fills us, fills the temple, fills us, and we, his priests, encounter him with such a tangible presence that we can't stand any longer. I, I, I wonder... I wonder how hungry we are to lose control enough to not be able to stand. You know, like how hungry are we to let go of, of our composure in the presence of God to just lay ourselves down before Him. To let the kabod is the word for glory here. It's the kabod of God. The kabod. And it literally means, it doesn't mean, it infers weightiness because they couldn't stand anymore. But the actual meaning of the word kabod here. Glory, honor, glorious, and abundance. So much that you can't carry it. So much of his presence that you're done walking. <laughs> that you just let the weight do what it wants to do with you. This is the fruit of wisdom, is encounters with the presence of God. I believe the church has entered into an era of wisdom. That's why we're seeing so much correction happening in the body of Christ right now. Right? Hey, we're off here. We're off here. And I'm not talking about the virulent, angry, I must correct your doctrine because my way is the only highway to heaven. I'm not talking about that garbage. Listen, we need to be rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to rightly divide scripture. But we also need to love one another and be unified. The spirit that you bring to that table will define if you're his or not. And if you're operating under the spirit of God or a demonic spirit. The devil loves division in the body. Why? Because if the priests kept to their division, the glory didn't come. So can we major on the majors, please? 
Not everybody believes in speaking in tongues like we do. Not everybody believes in Holy Spirit power gifts of healing and the supernatural and God flowing and moving in radical ways and encountering the touch of his presence. They're like, that's not for today. Okay, that's fine. Did Jesus die on the cross and rise again? Do you believe in scripture? Do you believe? Okay, can we major on the majors, please, and not keep to our divisions? Can we, can we, I don't care if you love the King James Bible, I don't like it. I think it's riddled with a lot of flaws because of King James. But if that's your thing, I'm okay with that. Are you pursuing Jesus? Do you believe that he's your savior? Are you walking with him? Nothing but love. I'm not going to make which translation you like the, thing, the hill I'm going to die on. God wants that he's correcting the heart of the church. He's correcting the heart to go, okay, instead of bad-mouthing that minister, that mega-church minister, by calling him a, a greedy, money-grubbing whatever, because he makes way more money than any other pastor that I know, and that must be evil. Okay, I'll just call it out. Joel Osteen, okay? I'm just going to say it. Joel Osteen hasn't taken a check from his church in over 20 years. He doesn't get any of that money. He did that intentionally the minute God gave growth. He said, we don't want a paycheck. I just wrote my first book. I'll live on that. Why are we blasting the fact that in one offering they make a million dollars and they feed more people in Houston than any other entity in the city? And we're like, well, he preaches a weak gospel. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. I'm not a fan of John MacArthur, personally. But he loves Jesus. He does with all of his heart. I don't like the way he teaches or some of the teachings that he believes is like, this is the plumb line. I'm like, eh, my plumb line's a little different. I'm okay with that. He loves Jesus. He's proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And if I want to run around correcting every Christian doctrine that I don't agree with, I'm not going to save a soul. We're not going to change the world. So God's reorienting the heart of the body in this season. And the spirit of politics has overrun it right now. We're more concerned about the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of our God, and it's okay. There's seasons to fight those fights. I, I think that's really valid. But we cannot lose sight of the gospel in how we fight. We have to be a different kind of people. So God's bringing correction. Why? This is a season where God is going to pour out more and more wisdom on the body of Christ on how to be united, how to be one front, right? against the gates of hell. So, you know what else I love? In, um, when God's talking about the tabernacle meeting with Moses, in uh, Exodus 29, 43, it says, I will meet with the children of Israel 
and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. If you're struggling with sin, get in his presence. That addiction you haven't been able to quite shake off yet, pursue him. He is the answer. His glory will sanctify you. And you know what's great? is because the blood did the work, you don't have to be afraid of God rejecting you when you miss it. You withdraw because you believe a lie. You withdraw and isolate because you don't think God will accept you, but he has made the opposite promise. That while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And he's not shocked by your sin today because he saved you knowing you were probably going to do that. And he wants to heal you and free you. So come closer. Come closer. Come closer. God's calling us to meet him and encounter him personally and corporately. Take time to encounter the glory of God on your own and then come together with an expectation that we will encounter the glory of God together. Amen? This is part of what we're doing with the Sunday night worship gatherings tonight um, is just like we just want to hear God and encounter his glory and encounter his presence. So I encourage you to be here tonight. In review, God responds to devotion and humility. God's presence empowers those dedicated to his work. And when God builds, it is for the sake of encountering his presence. Know that we are a building, that know that what we are building here is not just about programs or meeting needs in the community. We are here to encounter his presence and then reveal who he is to the world around us. In his presence, we are healed, sanctified, healed, right? Sanctified, healed. You can just use those synonymously. And in his presence, he sets us on our path of destiny for his purposes. Will you rise? Let's pray. How did I do? All right, pretty good. Can you just put your hands out like you want to receive something from the Lord and just with humility in your heart say, Father, I want to receive from you. Right, just in your own way, just say, God, I want to receive from you. Jesus, I want to receive from you. I want to encounter your presence and your glory. I know that I've made mistakes or I fail. I, I'm not going to allow those things to prevent me from coming right now and saying, God, I, I just want to encounter you. So Holy Spirit, will you come and encounter each person right now with your sanctifying power, with the kabod and the weightiness of the Lord that absolutely sanctifies us and transforms us into your image. I thank you that you did not rest transformation to doctrine. You rested transformation in the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. It's not as much about what we know, about whom we know. So come, Lord, change our hearts. Transform us with your presence. I've been praying this all day. God, will you come light the altar of our hearts with a fire from heaven? 
burn up the sacrifice so we might walk out radical obedience to you. Take all the areas that we have held on to, God. And Father, have your way in us. Have your way in us. Please, Lord, please. God, we are so grateful for you. We are grateful for what you are doing in our lives. And we come humbly before you and we say, Lord, grant us this desire of our heart that we might know you. That we might know you better than anyone we know. That we might hear your voice more clearly than any other voice speaking. Jesus, we love you. We give ourselves to you fully. Jesus, we hold nothing back from you today. We thank you that every promise you've given is an invitation to an amazing, fruitful life. As Paul said, all those trials I went through, they don't compare to the glory. They don't compare to the glory. Thank you, God. Reorient your people today. As Quinn said, with a new angle, a new angle to see. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing today. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.